Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 32 of the PayWB podcast, the podcast that empowers you to create a lifestyle and business that is authentic, fun, and highly profitable. My guest today is Carter Cofield. Carter is the owner and lead advisor of Cofield Advisors, LLC. He is a certified public accountant and personal financial specialist who's dedicated his career to helping creative entrepreneurs thrive. Carter started Cofield Advisors because he believes in entrepreneurship and wanted to give creatives a one-stop shop for financial guidance so they could spend more of their time in their creative zone of genius. In this episode, Carter and I talk about increasing your rates as a business owner, when it's the right time to invest and outsource work, and how to powerfully shift your relationship with money. As always, thanks so much for being here. It means a lot you've decided to spend your time with us, and I'm incredibly excited to share this episode with you. Cofield, my man, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me, man. Uh, I love the show. I love the title, and I'm excited to, to be on here. Thanks, man. It was funny when I was thinking about people that I wanted to bring on. Um, I was thinking about people here in my Chicago community that are making an impact, have made an impact, um, people that I just feel like I've kind of grown up um, as an entrepreneur with. And you were one of the first people that came to mind. So I'm like really excited to like have you in this format and like to be able to talk more uh, about what you're up to. Um, but, uh, but yeah, man, how have things been going for you recently? I know we're kind of in a weird time right now, given everything that's going on. Yeah, things are going uh, amazing, actually. Uh, I, not intentionally, but I, I guess I had the foresight to already create my business to be completely virtual. And I remember the pushback I got on that like two years ago. Like, you, to me, you don't see clients in person. I'm like, well, there's no point because we have the internet. Yeah. And now to see like the whole world having to do it, I'm like, I didn't plan for that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, man, that's cool. So I gave um I gave folks a little bit of an introduction to who you are and some of the stuff that you're up to in the beginning of this episode. But I'd love to hear directly from you. Like, what all are you up to right now? Yeah, so I guess there's a, quite a bit. Um, so my main business, Cofit Advisors, is a financial services company for creative entrepreneurs. So we help uh, creatives with their finances, with their taxes, with their accounting, basically all their financial needs. So as you know, Hayden, the more creative someone is, generally the more uh, reluctant they are to deal with numbers. So we yeah. kind of take that pressure off them. Like, hey, we have you, you know, we have you financially, tax-wise, uh, and, you know, make sure they, their money is managed and they're paying a minimal amount of taxes as possible. Um, so that's my main core business. But outside of that, um, I recently created a course and a podcast, and that was my way of giving a lot of free information out to people that couldn't mm -hmm. or didn't want to work with me one-on-one. -on -one. So uh, I created a course called Deduct Everything, Your Blueprint to Tax-Free Living. It's teaching entrepreneurs how to, be, how to live tax-free. Um, and then my podcast, Cocos Concepts, is just about business, taxes, and money concepts. Nice. So uh, yeah, COVID has, you know, maybe sit down and focus on other things, right? So just kind of like <laughs> how you said earlier. Yeah, being adaptable and pivoting. Um, so I'd be curious for you, like, where did the interest in like finance, advising, accounting, like, where did that interest start for you? Yeah, so for me, it started as a kid, right? I always loved numbers. Like, I remember I was doing, my, my sister is four years older than me, so four grades above me. And I was doing her homework for like, from like <laughs> fifth grade to ninth grade. Cause it, not because she told me, because it was fun. Right? I was doing yeah. math homework. Uh, this is interesting. So I always loved numbers. And then 
Um, I was always curious about money because I didn't grow up with a lot of money. So I, but I, I saw other people have it. So I was like, mm-hmm. I know it's there, but why don't we have it? So mm. with, that kind of sparked the curiosity around money. So when you put the math capability in the money curiosity, it kind of came together to, to, for me to want to pursue a field of, in the financial and accounting space. And uh, a <laughs> funny story. So I graduated high school in, during the recession. So it mm. was unemployment everywhere. So like, I literally Googled what job has the lowest unemployment rate and a, mm. and a, CPA, a CPA came up. And I was like, well, that's what I'm going to be. yeah i love that um it's so interesting too i mean just the you know the piece you were talking about how you didn't grow up with a lot of money and that has now influenced how you look at money and are in the process of attracting money um i think that's so often how it works with people is you know the experience that you have as a kid leads you to getting involved in um uh, sort of like the flip side as an adult, like if you choose to take a look at like, hey, how did this thing influence the way that I grew up? How did it influence my relationship with myself or my relationship with the world? Um, I was having a conversation uh, a couple weeks ago with one of my friends and he was talking about his relationship with money. And he was like, <laughs> he was like, I feel like you can't become a millionaire until you've known what the other side is like, like until you've known what it's like to not have money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. I love that, dude. So you went through high school, decided that you wanted to be a CPA um, in college. And I know you graduated and then you were in corporate, correct, for a couple of years? Yeah, yeah. So I graduated and I worked at uh, KPMG, which is one of the largest accounting firms in the world. And I was like super geek because you know, I never thought I would get a job at a firm with this magnitude. And, um, you know, a few years in, I was looking around like, okay, well, I'm making money. But me personally, I wasn't that happy, right? And I, I didn't feel like what I was doing was making a huge difference. Right? I was chasing this money goal for so long. And then when I had more mm-hmm. money than I knew what to do with, I realized there was a lack of fulfillment there. So mm-hmm. um, that kind of came at the three-year mark. And that's when I started to, to think about ways to pivot to do something that Yeah, man. It's like the cognitive dissonance. When you think the thing that's going to make you happy, you get it. And then you're like, this isn't, (laughs) this is not at all (laughs) what I expected it to be. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, when you, I'd be curious too, to hear more about like that transition, kind of like when you came to that realization and then what did that look like between that realization and then, you know, become an entrepreneur? I went to uh, working at a hedge fund, which was a lot more finance back knowledge. And and that was fun. But like, again, it was the lack of fulfillment. I was just making wealthy people more wealthy. It wasn't until I started hanging out with one of my friends, his name is Jeff Badu. He's another CPA. And he, he quit his job and, and started his own practice. And that's when I first started to see like entrepreneurship is, is a possibility because I believe that you can't be what you can't see. So it takes, at least for me, it takes me knowing that something's possible for me to even try to pursue it. So once I hung out with him, I'm like, okay, entrepreneurship is, 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 is real. It's a thing. He's doing it. And then it was just a matter of asking myself, you know, what do I want to do? Who do I want to serve? I have this financial and accounting tax acumen you know, who can I serve to better their lives? And um, it turned out I wanted to work with young people and I wanted to work with young entrepreneurs. Yeah, so in, in my transition phase, I knew I had financial and accounting knowledge that people needed. I just didn't know who I wanted to serve. And it really came down to who I wanted to spend time with. And I love working with young entrepreneurs because uh, their financial situation is a lot more complicated than the people that just have a job. You know, you, you have a job, you get paid 
they take taxes out, you kind of keep what's left. Entrepreneurs, they have so many things to worry about when it comes to taxes, when it comes to separating their business and personal finances. I knew that I could help them. And I love that drive because those are people that, that trust and believe in themselves. So I, uh, again, I read Rich Dad Poor Dad at work and I listened to the audio book and it's about, it's about a six hour book. So that shows how much I was doing at work at that time, right? Right. And I was able to finish the book in one session. So <laughs> yeah. uh, I literally read it at work. The next day I put in my two weeks because um, that book completely shifted my mindset. And that was all I needed to kick me out the door. So I, uh, the next day I put in my two week notice and then I booked the one week flight, to, uh, one week trip to London because I had to get out the country because if I didn't, I was going to try to get my job back. That's how petrified I was. So wow. um, I took a week sabbatical and I came back with like my business plan and I hit the ground running. That's, I love that story. Um, there's a bunch of stuff that I want to talk to you about and what you just shared. But um, for those of you listening, if you have not read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, go read that book immediately. Um, it's so funny. I had the exact same experience. I sat down and I read it in one sitting because <laughs> I was just like, this is, I was like, how do they not teach people this? How is this not something that gets taught all the time? It's crazy. Um, <laughs> so funny. Literally crazy. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I love that what you shared earlier too about the, like, you can't be what you can't see. And I think it just speaks to the importance of really getting intentional about the people that you're surrounding yourself with and being really intentional about the community that you build. And I know for a lot of people who are in corporate, part of the reason that they struggle with um, ultimately pulling the trigger to leave and start their own business is because their community is just people who are in corporate. Their community is just people who are looking at continuing to climb the corporate ladder and don't necessarily have an interest in going out and starting their own business. And so I think there's so much to be said for going out and really intentionally building relationships with people who are doing the things that you want to do. Um, absolutely. You know, um, it, it, the saying that goes, show me the five people you spend the most time with and I can show you exactly what your future is going to look like, mm-hmm. right? So if mm-hmm. you're an entrepreneur and you're hanging out with all employees, you're going to be an employee very soon, right? Mm-hmm. So in my, in my position, I was an employee hanging out with entrepreneurs and boom, it happened, right? So you are who you surround yourself with. So like you say, it's important to be very intentional about mm-hmm. who you're deciding to spend your time with because they're going to shape your life and your future and just, you know, mm-hmm. make sure it's going to be shaped in the way that you want it to be. Totally. Yeah. I'd be curious for you now, like how do you look at your social circle intentionally? Like how do you continue to build your community so that you're putting yourself in relationship with people who are doing bigger and bigger things? Yeah, a great question. So I should never be the smartest person in any room that I sit in. Right. Um, if that is, that's it. For me, that's a problem, right? I don't want to be the smartest person in, in, in the room. And I kind of adopt the mantra of the, you know, the 33% rule. Like I have 33% of my time is going to be spent with people with less success than me. Cause those are people I want to mentor. Those are people I want to inspire, motivate. Cause if I can do it, they can do it too. The, the other third is spent with people it, it, that are on my level, business wise, tax wise. I mean, financial wise, success wise. We, that's a mastermind group. We're bouncing ideas off each other to help, you know, iron shoppers iron and we're really helping each other grow our business then the last tier is my mentors my coaches my um people i look up to and want to be like so i'm really attentional about trying to spread that time as evenly as possible 
That's really great, man. Um, thanks for sharing that. Cause there's a level of intentionality, um, that goes into that, that I don't think people necessarily understand or leverage enough. You know, there's this whole idea of like, you know, willpower only works when you're thinking about it and environments are working on you 24 seven and your social circle and your community is an environment. And so being really intentional about that can either have you go towards, <laughs> go down and go towards working in corporate again, or, you know, have you continue to lift off, um, and finding success in your business. Um, so I love it. So you, you took a flight to London to ensure that you wouldn't get your job back. You came back and then talk, talk us through the first couple of months, maybe the first year of building that business, like what that was like for you. Yeah. So it was scary, man. Um, I was, I was, I was still scared when I came back and that was the biggest thing, right? Like the losing the comfortability of having a steady income, right? Um, you, you know, living in uncertainty, it's, it's, it's stretching you. It's, it, for me, it was scary, but I made sure that I spent every day on my business and, and, and didn't act like I was at the workforce, right? I worked 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. So I was in my, in my business office 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. or sometimes 10 p.m. or midnight, right? So the first couple of months was tough because I was literally working all the time. I was burning myself out. And I didn't get my first client for like the first three and a half months of business, right? So the, I'm running three months and I'm making a dollar. Um, but one of my mentors is a Harvard Business School grad. And, you know, when I was going into this journey, he said to me like, hey, I didn't make my first dollar until, until four months of, of after starting my business. So if you make your first dollar before then, you're doing better than a Harvard Business School grad. So um, and needless to say, his first sale and my first sale was way different in numbers, but that yep. gave me the confidence that, this is normal. Um, mm. So the first couple mm. months were hard. Uh, and then um, I think around the sixth, seventh month mark, I started actually bringing in clients to make more money. And, and I remember the first month that I made as much as I did in my job, that was the most freeing feeling, probably mm. one of the most freeing feelings in my early entrepreneur experience. That's when I knew this could actually work, right? I just mm. matched my income at work. And, um, it was, it was a journey. It was a lot of hustling. It was a lot of hustling and bustling, but, um, mm -hmm. that first year you really get to know yourself. Like people say like, you know, if you want to go, to, if you want to get to know yourself, go to therapy. I agree. But like, if you want to get to know yourself, go be an entrepreneur, right? That's going <laughs> to tell you more about yourself than you ever thought you wanted to find out. So yeah, so, yeah, man, totally. It's so funny. I've said this before on this show, but um, one of my one of the favorite conversations I've ever had about entrepreneurship. I was talking with uh, a friend of mine who also runs a business, and we were talking about um, you know, the formula for quote unquote the formula for entrepreneurship, if there was one. Um, and we were talking about how you know so much of it. Yes, these strategies important, and yes, the figuring out like how do you build a marketing system and how do you sell effectively and all that kind of stuff. But I think the really important part in building a successful business is not necessarily sales strategy or, you know, marketing strategy. It's really figuring out like, what were the things that happened to you when you were like six? <laughs> like, how have those things impacted the way that you relate to yourself and relate to your business? Because ultimately, that's so much of it, right? So much of it comes down to the mindset, how you relate to the people that you're working with, you know, how you relate to yourself, how you um, relate to the world. And so, especially in entrepreneurship, like, there's no way to fake it. If it's not working, it's not working. So in order to make it happen, like, you really got to dig deep and, and, uh, get super clear about what you need to make it happen. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's so important. And like you said, I think that you're really going to dig up some childhood experiences that are going to show you who you are as an entrepreneur. And just, you know, on, 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 on a separate point, I get the question all the time, like, how should you jump into entrepreneurship? Should you 
burn, should you uh, cross the bridge and burn the boats? Or should you keep your job, work on your side gig so you don't have to worry about money and then grow your business and then finally quit your job? And I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to that question. Yeah. I think it's just knowing yourself and knowing how you perform. So for me, I, I think we talked about this. My parents died when I was in high school. So I had to, you know, mm -hmm. me and my sister basically raised ourselves from high school to me growing up. But I saw how I reacted when my back is against the wall. So I mm -hmm. knew that there was, for me, was no half stepping in entrepreneurship. I yeah. needed the fire behind me because I know that drives me. And I know it's different for everybody, but I just want to harp on your point entrepreneurship is a self-guided journey and you need to really, really take your own, your own, your own uh, route and then leave breadcrumbs for somebody behind you. Totally, man. Well, and I think even to your point, the cool thing about entrepreneurship is that it's a practice. It's a skill. It's something that you can continue to get better at and continue to learn how to do effectively. And ultimately, there's really no wrong way to get into it. There's no wrong way to do it. Um, and if you want to create a side hustle and then eventually move full time, that's great. Or if you want to jump um, full in, like that's great as well. But so much of it is just about like making the commitment and then actually making the jump and taking the steps towards um, creating it. Uh, and you mentioned earlier, you were talking about in the first couple of months, you found yourself kind of like burning yourself out. And I know that that's a super common experience for people who um, jump into entrepreneurship. So I'd be curious for you, like, how has your relationship with burnout and how's your relationship with your own well-being like changed over time? Yeah, so that's a great question. So um, I believe early entrepreneurship burnout is just like one of those um, paying your dues thing. People tell you not to do it, but you do it anyway. Because the biggest lesson to learn is, as an entrepreneur, there's never nothing to do. You're never done. Yeah. Like you can always do something more that day. <laughs> yeah. So you, you know, you, you realize that, you, you know, you can work all night, but there's always, a, there's still going to be something to do tomorrow. So I think it just comes with that understanding. And for me, um, I had to learn that, that my business is only as healthy as I am. So if I'm not mentally strong, if I'm not mentally well rested, if I'm not physically strong, right? I believe that for me, my anchor is the gym. It's something I don't miss. I go every day. And if I'm not well or performing well or rested well, my business is not going to prosper. So mm -hmm. I am, again, intentional about taking personal days, taking personal care. I take a, well, pre-COVID, I used to travel for a month internationally. I used to pick a random country and travel for 30 days and then come back and then work hard for three, four months and go do it again because I knew that that recharge was what is going to be necessary for me to build my business the way I wanted to. Nice. Yeah. And I think it's a hard thing until you actually are confronted with how um, unmanageable or how uh, unworkable it is to work 24-7. Like until you actually physically feel the impact of not giving yourself the time that you need. It's hard to really understand the importance of well-being and taking care of yourself. Um, but I think the big distinction in what you shared is like, it's not about how many hours you're working. It's actually about like the quality of attention and the quality of effort that you're putting in during the hours that you're working. Yeah. So you, you never want to mistake movement for achievement, right? Um, you can knock out a to-do list, but what did you actually get done? So you never want to mistake moving with achievement. You want to make sure the things that you're doing are important. And I'm sure you can attest to this, you know, in college, you know, you can pull all nighters and get something done. But for me now as a business owner, as an adult, I would rather take the hour and a half nap because I can then, then yeah. work four hours and then look at the computer for three hours and work so slowly because I'm trying mm -hmm. to drag myself through it. So 
self care, mm-hmm. man, and so and 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 rest is, is everything. And to be candid, my best business ideas came when I I was not working, when I was having my thinking time, when I was reflecting, when I was traveling. So many ideas come to you when your brain is able to chill. That mm-hmm. can really actually make a bigger impact in your business than just a to do list. Yeah, I hear that a lot from a lot of other entrepreneurs too, is actually like building that white space in for the integration and for the synthesis and the formulation. Um, So I agree. I think that's super, super duper important. Um, So, you know, going back to you're in your first year of business, you know, it takes a couple months to get a client and then things um, start to pick up. Um, I'd be curious too for you, like in that first year of business, like what were the biggest interpersonal obstacles or like the biggest interpersonal hurdles that you came up against and had to um, actually move out of the way? Um, well, number one thing for me was imposter syndrome. Um, I know that most entrepreneurs can attest to this. Hayden, you probably can too. Yep. You know, you, you never give yourself enough credit. We're always beating ourselves up. So I felt like a huge imposter, especially in my field, because I'm sitting across people with way more money than me, trying to tell them what they should do with their money, how should they save it, how should they invest it, and you know, how can they save on taxes and all this stuff. And I felt like an imposter because I didn't have any money in the bank, you know, I'm running red. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, but the thing that we have to know is that we know so much more in our ex in our specific subject than a common person that we tend to forget how much we know mm-hmm. until you start, you know, you start to give yourself credit, you start to reflect on it. But my number one thing was imposter syndrome. And I knew if I didn't get over that quickly, um, I was never going to make it. So for me getting the way I got over imposter syndrome was to study so much that I felt like I knew more than I needed to know. I would over prepare for meetings. I would um, read more books on the subject than I had to. I probably read 60 books on personal finance, taxes, and investing at least. Um, And I didn't need them all, but it gave me the confidence to sit in the meeting and the client know that the person across from them is confident. Mm. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. I, um, it's definitely been one of the things that's gotten in the way for me because not only it, I mean, it impacts so many aspects of the business because not only does it impact like how you show up on a day-to-day basis for yourself when you're creating content, when you're reaching out to people to have a sales conversation, um, but it also it impacts your ability to sell. It impacts your ability to generate clients. It impacts your ability to ask for the rates that are actually going Man, to support you yeah. and making it happen. <laughs> that, that rate conversation is, 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 is always hilarious. And like, the thing that we need to, to step back and understand too, Hayden, is that we're young. Mm-hmm. You're like we're really young. Like mm. you're you're a gorgeous man, but you you have a baby face. So people look Thanks. at you like, I what know, can you man. what can you teach me? But you know, like you know, they come to the table with this, you know. Yeah. So imposter syndrome is real because you know we're young, we're go getters. But if we don't believe that we can do it, our clients will never believe that we can do it. So I think it starts with us. Totally. Yeah. I find that so much of it, it's just about who you're being in the conversation. And it's so funny you say that. I get that a lot. And I totally hear that. And what I know to be true is like, if I play into that, if I play into that fear, or if I if I play into that, like, oh, you know, what are they going to think versus just showing up and speaking from my truth, like speaking what I actually know to be true. Um, and, you know, it's interesting, you were talking about um, doing the work and reading a lot and over preparing. And for me, it's the same exact thing. Like I've done more in personal work um, 
you know, therapy, healing over the last three years than most people will do in their entire life. And so it makes it easier for me to talk about the way that I work with people and the impact and, uh, you know, the results that I get people because um, I've gone through it. I'm doing the work. I'm in the middle of the work right now. Um, and, uh, and, but, but I totally hear you on that, man. It's so much of it's just a practice. So much of it is just being clear on like how you want to show up and who you want to be in those conversations. Yeah. And, and if anybody listening, I sat in a room with Hayden and Hayden in one of his coaching sessions and I could not sit in that room for 30 minutes and he did it for weeks, right? Like the, the, the work that you put in, um, I'm just want to attest to your audience that, you, you know, you're one of those people that I admire because you understand what it takes and you're willing to put the work in to be the best version of yourself. So I want to get a compliment mm-hmm. let you know that I really admire you in that sense. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. Appreciate that. Um, I wanted to circle back real quickly to the rates conversation because I know mm. that for a lot of entrepreneurs, like that is something that people struggle with. So I'd be curious for you, you know, how have you approached pricing your uh, offerings, your services, um, and how have you approached actually increasing those uh, over time? Yeah, so I have a very strict code when it comes to increasing rates. Never increase your rate until you increase your own self-value to yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. If you before you can convince someone else that you're you know that you're worth a certain amount, you have to convince yourself. So when it comes to me and raising my rates, I need to truly understand in, in my heart that this is what I'm worth. And how I do that is for every new skill I attain, every new book I read, every new strategy, tax saving strategy, investing strategy that I learn, my 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 self my self price goes up and then I'm able to reflect that in my business pricing. So um, I always encourage, especially early entrepreneurs, like never raise your prices before you're mentally ready to do so. Because if you're telling a client it's a thousand dollars, they're going to be like, no, it's not. They look at it, they can read it on your face. Right. But if you tell them like, it's a thousand dollars and that's starting, right. Like, and then and you mm-hmm. believe that they're not going to, they're not going to budge. So the common mistake I see people doing is trying to raise the rates before they raise their own perceived self-value and that's when you start to see a problem um, mm. and every time you lower your rates for somebody you're not only disrespecting yourself but you're disrespecting your future clients because you won't be able to serve people properly if you're not being paid appropriately to to do things you need to do to get better bingo I just want to take that out and I just want to put that as a quote. I want to have that (laughs) everywhere. Um, No, I love that, man. I think you're spot on. It's similar to the, you know, this conversation that we're having about imposter syndrome, like actually being able to show up and with zero doubt in your mind, say, here's my rate. Here's what I ask from you, because I know that in order to best serve you and in order for you to get the results that you're looking for, this is what the relationship needs to look like. And this is how much you need to invest with me. And counterintuitively, and I think this is, a, a, a hard thing for people to grasp, but the more that people invest, the more invested they are. The harder that they're going to work, the bigger results they're going to create. Um, so I want that on way, the wall. I want that. Yeah, plan. I'll make a poster for you. Please, please, buy it. Yeah. Well, it's like actually, in a sense, like you increasing your prices and having people invest more with you is in service of them. Like you are giving them an opportunity to invest in themselves, in their future, in their results. Because the more that they're invested with you the harder that they're going to work towards actually utilizing the things that you're sharing with them and the tools that you're sharing with them yeah man if you don't pay you don't pay attention right that's just you know a quote that i've been living by but you said it better um you know Mm -hmm. whatever they invest that's how invested they will be in you so you Mm -hmm. really want to make sure you're pricing at a point where people take you seriously and 
um, I guess to, to finalize on this point of increasing rates and, and pricing yourself uh, appropriately is that people respect you as, as a thought leader because your prices are reflecting of your service. And they're, you know, and, and from my experience, I don't, know, I don't know about you, Hayden, but the people that pay me more are better clients, like, yeah. right? Like, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. crazy, like the 80-20 yeah. rule, like you're doing, you know, they're yeah. making the most money that cause the least amount of problems. So you get, you get to this place of working with people that live in a space of abundance, and not just mm-hmm. money abundance, but money abundance, time abundance, and they tend to be better clients. At least that's how it has been for me. Yeah, totally. And I find the exact same thing. Um, you know, we talk about dream clients, the people that you just really love working with and, you know, the the components of what that looks like. And one of those things is paying in full upfront. When people are willing to pay in full upfront for your service, it's a stamp of trust. It's a stamp of um, uh, investment. It's a stamp of, hey, I, I am so ready to get involved in this relationship with you that I'm willing to put my money where my mouth is and pay you in full for the entire relationship. Um, and Hayden, and th- th- doesn't that pump you up as, as a coach? Like, doesn't that pump you up? Cause they believe these, you're coming to the table, like ready, like this person invested and they believe in me. I cannot let this person down and it becomes, it makes you a better, it makes you a better, better business owner, a better entrepreneur. Well, I think that's part of it too. I mean, you know, it's not like, I think this is um, the, the underlying conversation of what it means to be of service as a business and as an entrepreneur. It's not just about the money piece of it. It's actually about creating relationships that ultimately serve the client in the best possible way. And a component of that is finding people who are willing to pay in full, just like a component of that is finding people who are 10 out of 10 committed to creating the results that they want. Um, regardless of if they have your help or not. And I think that's, that's a, a piece that I'm really coming to realize as of late is if you're not 10, if we talk about the results that you want and you're not 10 out of 10 committed, it doesn't make sense for us to work together because I'm not going to be able to do justice and well, I'll be able to help you, but like not in the same way, you know, as if you were, you know, completely unconditionally committed to what you want. And so actually qualifying people and qualifying clients to make sure they have that is really important. Mm. Mm, that's huge. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah, man. The um, other piece I wanted to talk to you about too, um, more so around investing in your business, because I know that for you, like I, and I love the content that you put out. Um, and I know that you've been doing a lot of work around publicity and awareness and marketing. Um, and so be curious from, from your perspective, like how do you relate to investing in your business? How do you know when it's the right time to make an investment? How do you know, um, you know, if you're looking at an investment, um, you know, what the possible payoff is going to be? Like, how do you actually go about making those decisions? Yes, great, great question. So for me, the, the best investment I could ever make is an investment in myself and in myself and in my business, right? Um, and that's because I know, and I'm, me, I understand how much I can grow when I invest in myself. There's, you, there's no better ROI than the person that you become, right? So I'm mm-hmm. always always investing in myself into my business because that's going to help me become the person that I need to be to become whatever the goal is a millionaire right it's like the saying goes if you get a million dollars you better hurry up and become a millionaire before it's all gone because you mm-hmm. won't know how you don't you, you won't know what to do with the money so <laughs> yeah. from from um, an investment standpoint I invest I think about probably about 40 percent of every dollar I make back in my business whether it's coaching whether it's um, uh, conferences consulting I believe in cutting the check to, to go faster. So mm-hmm. instead of sitting and reading a 500 page book, I can just go to the author, pay him a 
$2,000 to give me the knowledge in a short period of time because I believe in cutting the check to get ahead. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Um, and it's interesting too, because I know that um, that's where a lot of people get stuck. And especially, you know, in this sense of like, as an entrepreneur, I need to know how to do all of it or like I need to have it figured out. Um, And there's this um, hesitancy or reservation around investing in themselves, in a tool, in a team. And so I think that's really important, like having people understand the impact of that and how much faster you can move, like when you're investing in something. Um, And I'd be curious for you too, you know, like as you're, as you've gone about scaling your business, like past year one, you're growing your business, you're taking on more clients. Um, as you've scaled, like what are the big lessons that you've had to learn or have walked away with, you know, as your business has grown? Yeah, man, that's, you have some amazing questions, dude. Um, so for me, it's a few things. One is don't spend major time on minor things, right? Mm. Do not spend your time on things that you're not good at or things that are not driving the needle in your business, pay someone to do it for you because they will do it faster and better than you ever could. So when I started, I was designing my own website, creating my own logo, handling my own marketing. And when you start, you got to do everything because you don't have the money to outsource. So for me, one of the first things I did was started to outsource things. And I'll never forget, I was listening to a podcast. Um, I forgot the name of the podcast, but the the point was, anytime you find yourself doing something in your business that you hate doing, record yourself doing it and then give it to somebody else. And you never have to do that task again because you want your business and your days to be surrounded by tasks that you want to perform yourself. Anytime you're doing a task in your business that you don't want to do, take a moment, write it down, record it and offboard it to someone else. So mm-hmm. for me, my, my biggest, one of my biggest investments was investing in a team of people that had expertise and things that I didn't want to do. And it freed up time and I became more happy and my business decided, you know, grew and I'm getting, you know, I'm, hiring people and, and, you know, bringing jobs to the economy. So it's like a win, 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 win. Yeah. Yep. That's huge, man. Um, the book, I'm sure you've, yeah, you probably read it. Uh, the big leap by Gay Hendricks. Oh yeah. 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 So he talks about the zone of genius. It's all about staying in your zone of genius. And I think that the thing that people forget is they are not their business. They're ultimately creating their business. Their business is a machine there are different parts of the machine that need to be run. You're going to be good at running parts of the machine, but not all parts of the machine. And so it's actually best in your best interest and in the machine, the business's best interest to bring on other people who can run the parts of the machine that you're just not good at. Absolutely. And, and, and it comes down to focusing on your strengths and hiring for your weaknesses, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Focus on things you're good at, hire out, um, and surround yourself with people that are smarter than you in, in other areas. And, you know, I've, I'm now, I now have more time making more money than I ever did before. And I'm just yeah. looking back at all the mistakes that I've made as I started yeah. an entrepreneur. And it's like, it's, it's the hard knocks. You have to go through it yourself. Um, your listeners are going to listen to this, to this. Hopefully they, they take some stuff away, but they will hit their head on something that someone told them to avoid, but is you have to go through some things yourself before, yeah. you know, you kind of like, okay, I should, I shouldn't have listened to that. I should listen to that. Yeah, man. That's the funny thing. I feel like in talking with entrepreneurs who have been doing this for a much longer time and we're talking about, you know, how it's going and what's up and (laughs) their whole thing is like, man, it's just, it's just hold on. It's just staying in the game. Literally. It's just a game of like, how long are you willing to hang on until you figure it out? Because eventually it will work. Eventually. 
but you gotta be willing gotta to stay in, in the game. You gotta stay in the game. And, 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 and hey, I wanna take that a little step further, man. You wanna surround yourself with people that are in the trenches with you. Like how, yeah. how, how helpful is the conversation knowing like, dude, I don't know how I'm, you know, this thing is, if I'm gonna make it, you know, I just lost one of my biggest clients. And then your friends like, dude, I lost my biggest client yesterday. Let's go grab a drink and talk about it. Cause, and, and then the next day, you know that someone's with you, you're not alone. And I think that entrepreneurship can be a very, very, very lonely place if you allow it to be, um, mm. especially in, during these times. So surrounding yourself, it's like, you know, me and you are good friends. Having yeah. those people you can call on and be like, yo, like, how is things going? Because I'm struggling, man. Do you have solutions for this? And most likely mm. your entrepreneurship or your entrepreneur friends are going to have a resource, a solution to your problem because they've probably been through it or are currently going through it. Yeah, man, that's huge. I think the normalization of it, just given like how like wild of a beast it is to, to, to try and make this work. And, you know, you look at the numbers and it's like 90 something percent of businesses end up failing within the first five to 10 years. First, first um, years yeah. yeah. And so, so, you know, so much of it is, I, I think you're spot on surrounding yourself with people who are going to be able to normalize, um, you know, the experience that you're, that you're going through. Um, I'd be curious for you. I know one of the things that sometimes I struggle with is asking for help. Like, Hey, being like, Hey, you know, this is something that I'm struggling with. Um, I don't know how to figure it out. So like, how have you approached getting the help and support that you need um, instead of having it turn into like a secret or a shame, like a shameful thing or whatever it is? Um, I mean, I'm hard headed, dude. So I'm not, I wish I had a better answer. I am hard headed. Yeah. I'm, I'm a Leo. I'm, I, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a lone wolf, like, you know, so yeah. it was, it's hard for me to ask for help. Um, mm. it, it was really hard, but I just, you know, swallow my ego, swallow my pride and and accept that in order to in order to uh to give to other people you got to be in a place of receptivity so you got to be in a place of willing mm -hmm. to receive you can only give too much to your clients if you're not receiving something from others so um i just swallow my pride and i always ask for help because asking for help not only helps you but it empowers the other person because this makes their day because they helped you mm -hmm. right so yep. anytime you don't ask for help, you're robbing somebody of an opportunity to, to, to make someone's day. So once I made it about not about me, I was like, you know, if I don't ask for help, I might not make the day. And that was, it became a lot easier for me to say, hey, I need help with this um, and I need help with that. So that's yeah. kind of how I help, that, how I handle it now, if that's a good answer. Dude, I love that reframe. <laughs> like, we're gonna walk away with like, like poster quotes, like you know, like yeah, crazy dude, like, from this make, episode. Make them and send them to me. No, dude, that's awesome. I I think that reframe is so empowering too, because then it doesn't become this thing of like, oh, I have to ask for help because I'm less than, or I'm not enough, or I'm stupid, or whatever it is. It's like, no, like I get to ask for help, and I actually get to like give someone else the opportunity to support and serve me. Um, and what I find, especially in the entrepreneurial community is like 99% of entrepreneurs are like, Hey, if you come to them with a, a problem and you're like, Hey, I'm have, I'm really struggling to figure this thing out. If they've had any sort of experience with it, they will sit down with you and be like, listen, here's, <laughs> here's what you got to do. Here's the path forward. Here's what I would suggest. So yeah, man, I love that. It's super empowering. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think life is about reframing things to, to yeah. get out your own way. Um, yeah. And that's one of the reframes that I adopted. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, man. Um, you mentioned earlier, you know, you were looking at um, outsourcing work that you didn't enjoy or that you weren't, it just wasn't a strength for you. Um, like when did you feel like it was the right time to outsource or how, like, how did you go about making that decision around when it was the right time to do that? Um, well, 
I believe that I started this business to make me happy. So any task that I don't want to do that doesn't make me happy, I want to get rid of it as quickly as possible. Now, obviously, there's a monetary pull on that, right? Because you don't want to give away all your money. They're not making any money in your business. But um, for me, I know that if I give that task away, I can make more money not doing that ever again. So for me, mm. um, it's just making sure that I have the support system around me. I hang with so many entrepreneurs. If I need a website person, I got one. If I need a virtual assistant, I got one. If I need, you know, whatever I need for my business, I, since I'm surrounding myself with so many entrepreneurs, not only am I outsourcing something, but I, I'm helping a friend's business, right? I'm helping, I'm helping a friend that mm. it ha- does great service and I'm, I'm, and I'm paying them to do it for, for mm. me. So to answer your question, I'll try to do it as quickly as possible because I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, and I think it's one of those things that just becomes a practice. It's just a practice of getting into the mindset of the long-term benefit of me making this investment and trusting this other person is worth in the long run. Me not having this money in the short term or what, like whatever it might be. It's the upside is way larger than the downside. I think the downside is people just get scared ultimately. Um, Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, A big part of this show, a big part of why I started this show is I really want to support people in understanding how entrepreneurship can look for different people. And ultimately, it's this idea of like, how do I get paid to be myself? Like, how do I take my innate qualities, traits, the things that I love, strengths, interests, passions um, and turn it into something that generates income and allows me to live the way that I want. And so this is kind of a broad question, but I'd be curious, like as you have built your business, like what role has lifestyle and you living the way that you want to, like how has it influenced how you've built the business, how you've set the direction, how you've hired people? Yeah, well, I think, so I think it has everything to do with it. So I knew, again, back when I started my business, I hated walk. I hated going into the office. Like, mm. you know, that trek to the office, that draft to the office, that, you know, gave me so much anxiety because I didn't feel like being there. Mm. So when I started my own business, I, making it virtual was non-negotiable. Mm. And so I built my business, I built my strategy, I built my team around this virtual model because for me, the best gift in life is time and freedom. So mm. those are two things that I protect very, very closely. So to answer your question, when I built my business, I built it in a, in a virtual model and a model that will allow me to be free to travel and no money. I knew no money in the world was worth giving that up. So mm. I wanted to make sure my clients knew that my team members knew that this is going to be a, a virtual business and, mm. and it shaped everything. Yeah. That's huge. Well, the piece that I really want to call out there is the intentionality in that. Cause I think that in business, but I think even just more broadly, how we think about the things that we want to create is I have to do this thing first. And then once I'm at a certain point, then I can go do the thing that I want, which is never how it works. <laughs> you have to start with the intention and you have to start with the, um, you know, no shit, no kidding commitment to creating something that's totally virtual, to creating something that allows you to have the time and freedom. And once you set that as the North Star, once you set that as the place where you're headed, you'll figure it out. You're resourceful enough to be able to figure out how to get there, but you have to decide that that's what you want to commit to first. Absolutely. As you know, anything is possible. You can do anything you want, but the attention and the commitment needs to be there. Nobody's going to take mm-hmm. your virtual business seriously if you're telling them they can come see you two times a week, mm-hmm. right? It's just like you have mm-hmm. to put your foot down 
and kind of build the business that you want. And that's what we did, right? If you want to make a crap ton of money, go get a job in, you know, trading and or go get a job at Wall Street in New York. But if you want to do what you love to do, money yeah. cannot be the only, only motivator. It needs to be, it needs to be something stronger than that. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, so I want to switch gears a little bit and I want to talk a bit more about the work that you do with people because I think it's incredibly valuable information. And I know a lot of the people listening um, are looking for that kind of information. So, you know, I'd be curious for, for you on just at the front end, like what are the types of um, financial issues and tax issues that you find a lot of um, small businesses run into or like the mistakes that they're typically making? Yeah, so it's, it's a lot. Um, so <laughs> one is um, 95% of entrepreneurs, small business owners um, are overpaying taxes because they don't understand what they can deduct, right? And so a deduction is like, you know, anything that you spend lowers your business income. So people don't understand that they can write off or deduct their phone bill, their home office. So that's like the number mm -hmm. one mistake because if we can create, if we can lower your tax bill by thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000, that's more money that can go into your business to be reinvested and things like that. So Right. That's probably num number one. Number two is just helping people stay organized, right? You don't know how your business is doing if your numbers are not organized properly, right? Your numbers tell you a story, and mm -hmm. that story—that's you can only read that that book if the if, if the story is in place. And the only way that's in place is with proper uh, accounting and, and, and numerical um, numerical systems in place. So um, that would probably be number two is just organization of their finances, and then number three just helping them take that and, and build their business on top of that with advice, with strategies and things like that. <laughs> totally. Um, and then even like outside of the um, strategy piece, like the deductions and the how you stay organized and that sort of thing. One of the things for myself that has um, in the last, we'll say six months, really come uh, reared its head is like relationship with money. Like mm -hmm. even outside of the like, how much do I have? Where is it going? How much am I spending, like just simply looking at like our beliefs and thoughts and mindset around money. Um, would be curious for you how that's changed for you and, you know, maybe how you work with clients around that. Yes. Yeah, so I want to hop on a client for, for, on that for a second. So I work with creative entrepreneurs. So, and a lot of my creative clients are, have went from never making that much money in their life to getting a check for a quarter million, a half million dollars. Right. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of, a lot of my, a lot of my clients are work and um in la and they, they're like movie writers and tv writers so hbo mm. i pick up their script for a half a million dollars right and they and that amount of money scares them because they have a yeah. negative relationship with money so that's a huge piece that i have to walk my clients through and just really understand like where it came from and how can we work together to change that to get them to understand that money is nothing but a tool that allows mm. you to live with it however you want to live it's not evil it's not good money just it amplifies who you already are as a person so mm. I just try to walk them through that path. Everybody's story is different. Um, for me, I, I, I never really had a negative relationship with money. So I just knew I didn't have it. And I wanted to get it. And now that I understand it, it doesn't scare me because I, mm. I, I understand how, to, you know, how money works. Totally. Yeah. I love that. Um, money amplifies who you already are as a person. I think Absolutely. that's, <laughs> I think that's huge. Yeah. And so if, you know, for the folks listening, if they're looking at, you know, reevaluating or reinventing their relationship with money, like what are the, some, what are some of the things that you would suggest that they start to take on or do? I would just say start educating yourself. So there's, there's a lot of, a lot of books, on, a lot of good personal finance books on money. Um, one is called like uh, money, uh, 
your life and money in your 20s, I believe. And this is another one for 30s. It's just like educating yourself about something lowers the fear of it. So if you have a negative connotation with money, the more you understand of it, the less you're scared of it. So I just mm-hmm. think it just comes to education, man. We didn't, we're not going to, we didn't learn it in school. Schools are not planning on teaching us about it. So it has to be a self-guided journey. And um, there are plenty of resources out there. I have a blog that I try to write on every, every week to just educate people about money. Um, it's an amazing podcast called the Dough Roller Podcast. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, just helping you give you little tips and bits about money so you're not scared of it or have a negative relationship. Nice. Yeah. I, um, myself have been doing a lot of reading, uh, a lot of journaling, a lot of introspection recently about my relationship with money. And I think that that's been one of the biggest things is just understanding how, uh, ignorance, willful ignorance and, um, confusion um, in air quotes, confusion, um, gets in the way of like having a really empowered, powerful relationship with money because it's I, mean, I forget what book I was reading that mentioned this but they're talking about like money fog and it's like if you're not super familiar with like how your money works or where it's going or how it's coming in or etc it just becomes really easy to be to um, live in ignorance and then it becomes this super disempowering fear-based relationship instead of being a tool for you to go out and grow your business and create the life that you want absolutely I couldn't have said that better myself that was so spot on yeah. Awesome, dude. Well, um, I'd be curious, like what's next for you? Yeah. So, um, what's next for me is I told you before the conversation, I'm actually moving my business to Los Angeles because a lot of my clients are in LA. Um, I can still serve clients and I still do serve clients in, uh, in majority of the States, but, um, I'm moving out there. And for me, it's just growing my business with an intentionality. I've been blessed to not have to worry about money in a sense of like, am I going to make enough? Now it's just setting the intention that am I working with the perfect clients and outside of my core business, how can I impact more people? And that's where my podcast came in. That's where my course came in. I am building another one because I understand everybody can't work with me one-on-one, but that is no excuse not to have a bigger reach. So my whole thing now, especially with COVID is to focus on things to give me a better reach so I can touch people that I wouldn't have been able to touch before. Mm. It's brilliant. I'm super excited to give that a listen, man. Super excited to continue to stay connected and, um, you know, see where you end up taking this. I have no doubt in my mind that it's just going to continue to grow and be huge because that's just kind of the kind of person you are. No, same, same for you, man. Your, your podcast literally inspired me to launch mine because I was like, oh, I had another person. It's just like, it's, nice. it's a way to give away, it's a way to give away so much free knowledge. Like you, yeah. you know so much and you know, you want to find a way to give it away for free. So um, I started the podcast I think, a couple of weeks ago. It's called Cofield's Concepts. It's on every mm-hmm. podcast platform, I think. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's just giving away this knowledge. I didn't, I didn't read all these books to hoard this information. I want to give it away. Totally. Yeah. That's badass, man. I think that's a huge piece of the whole game too, is just creating as much value as possible and understanding that in giving away the value, it's going to attract clients. It's going to attract the people that you want to work with. It's going to attract opportunities that you otherwise would never have known about. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm going to drop a last bit of knowledge before we get out of here. And it's, (laughs) um, your, your, your true value is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. Mm. So it's this book called The Go-Giver, which is mm. probably one of my top five books of all time. But it talks about giving. And you always want to over-serve, over-deliver, give away for free, and just live in that place of abundance. And um, it's going to come back to you tenfold. So. It's huge. It's awesome. Well, man, it has been an absolute pleasure. Not at all surprising, just given who <laughs> you are. Um, where can people find you online? 
Yeah, so you can find me at uh, on Instagram at Cofield underscore advisor. Um, or you can, my website is cofieldadvisors.com. That's advisors with a D-S-O-R-S. Or uh, check out my podcast, Cofield's Concepts. And um, yeah, that's about it. Awesome. And uh, what's a parting piece of wisdom that you'd have for the folks listening to build bigger, better businesses? Yeah, so my one takeaway would be, um, I think a lot of people need to hear this, is that you don't need to be great to get started, but you have to get started to be great. And I don't care if you're starting your business or you want to change your business or you want to take on a new hobby, like just get started. That's the best first step you can take. I believe starting now is the first step in the right direction. Yeah, it's like, like falling in love with sucking at something. It's, <laughs> it's yeah. the best thing I, you I'm can bad do. at something. Watch out, because like now you know how what it takes to get good and mm-hmm. you know, and there you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The last point I want to put in about that too is it's the same exact thing with money. It's the same thing. That exact same principle applies to money, um, which I think is super important. Uh, I like to end these shows with acknowledgements. Um, so are you open to me acknowledging you? Absolutely. Cool, man. Um, mm. uh, yeah, Coville, I was really looking forward to this conversation, man. And um, it uh, exceeded expectations. Um, I, there's a bunch of stuff that I really want to acknowledge you for. I think first and foremost is the level of commitment that you have. Like when I think about people in my network who are consistently reaching further and who are consistently stepping up and leveling up like you're one of the first people that come to mind so thanks for just like being super committed to the process to your life to your vision to your clients like actually being committed to service and like really supporting people in creating financial situations that allow them to create the experience that they want that allow them to have the experience that they want so that they're not a slave to their business and they're not a slave to their financial situation um thanks for being a leader like, thanks for like consistently putting yourself out there, like being willing to like lead the charge, use your voice. Um, you know, like I shared earlier, I just really appreciate every time I see something from you um, in like the marketing space or like publicity. Because um, I think what you're up to is brilliant. And I think like what you, what you represent and who you are as a person is just super inspiring. So thanks for like being willing to step up in a leadership position. Um, thanks for the... Um, like the joy and the levity that you bring with you too. Like, it's just like really refreshing to be in conversation with you. And I think that everyone listening to this is going to feel the exact same way. Um, like it's, it's magnetic uh, in, in a sense. Um, and like being able to be that for other people and just give that freely, I think is just like a huge part of you know who you are as a person. Um, and the last thing that I want to acknowledge you for is like, thanks for just taking total ownership of your desire. Like, I think that one of the things that I struggle with and one of the things that I see a lot of people struggling with is like really fully owning the things that they want and like why they want the things that they want, feeling like they need to like justify it or like come up with a reason or like explain it to people, um, which I think is not how it should be. I think you wanting something is enough of a reason to go out and create it. So thanks for just being like unabashedly um, in ownership of your desires and, and the things that you want. Cause ultimately, right? Like that's what allows other people to do the same thing. Like you can't be what you can't see. And for people listening to this, they're like, Oh shit, this guy's doing it. <laughs> like I could totally do the exact same thing. Um, so yeah, man, thanks for the work that you're up to. Thanks for just being a really good friend and colleague. And thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. That was beautiful. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to, to catching up in the future, man. I know you're going to do amazing things as well. Let's keep inspiring. Let's keep motivating. And um, yeah, let's end 2020 better than it started. Yeah. Love it, brother. Thanks so much.
Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this show and want to stay up to date on new episodes or other special offers, I'd invite you to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And if there's ever anything I can do to support you, please don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. See you next time.